Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star here in Compass up in True North out on the patio. And all of you watching online, we're really, really glad you're here for this very first week in this series called The Waste. I'm going to give you a little head start. I'm going to talk a little bit. Turn to the book of John. John chapter 14 is where we're going to be camping out over the next few weeks. So John's over the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book of the New Testament. You also got your little worship guide on on the way in, that will be our guide as we work along this morning. Well, it is a big day here in the life of North Star. Uh, we've got tonight, we've got our baptism and picnic at the lake. So picnic begins at 6 p.m. Bring food for your family. We'll provide drinks and, and a Kona ice truck and all that. And then about 6.45, 7 o'clock, we're going to wander down to the lake. And we're going to see a bunch of people get baptized tonight. Would you all join me? And let's congratulate all of those that are going to be taking that step of faith tonight. It's going to be awesome. So that's tonight. Six o'clock, come hang out, get to know people. And about 6.45, close to seven, we'll walk down the lake and have our baptism. Many of you may go, man, I was out last week. I didn't get registered. Can I still register? The answer is yes, but go to the website, northstarchurch.org slash baptism to do that. And that'll give you all the information you need to be there tonight. Second thing is, I know... Um, Mike mentioned it here in Compass. Our college kicks off Tuesday night. Lots of college students that have just moved in to town, and uh, we want this to be a home away from home for them. I'll be taking my college daughter back to Virginia next week, so we want this to be a home away from home. If you're a college student here Tuesday night, uh, wave. It's the place to be. They get information out in the lobby. Well, I guess we all, you probably were like me and watched the news yesterday. I was sort of oblivious during the morning running a bunch of errands and midday cut it on and found out about all the just absolute craziness that went on in Charlottesville yesterday. And I think it would be, um, it would be wrong not to address that here as a church. So because we're new, uh, new part of the school year, new time of year, new people in, I want you to know who we are as a church. Here's, here's who we are. We're a church that believes that when Scripture said that all people were created in the image of God, that was true. He didn't put a color on it. He didn't put a race on it. Didn't put a background on it. Jesus said... Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Most important commandment. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. Unequivocal. Our job as Christ followers is to love people without any concern of where they've come from, what they look like. doesn't matter. Our job is to love people. Here at this church, this is a safe place. This is a place where we all can gather under the hand of the Lord and we can worship and we can celebrate and we can be one. And we're here to model what heaven one day is going to look like where all people there in heaven, the only thing that got them there was the blood of Jesus. And while we're here, we're going to worship that way. Is that fair with everybody? And are y'all okay with being that kind of church? What happened, hate, evil, bigotry, has no place in this world. Has no, and it has certainly has no place here. This is a place where we will love like Jesus loved. Would y'all join me in a word of prayer?
Father, I pray for our country because it's fractured. There's divisions. There's, there's polar sides. God, in, in you, there's one side. And that's Jesus' side. And Jesus loved without measure. And God, today, we stand in him. And God, we will be a church that loves you with all we've got. And we will be a church that loves our neighbor as ourselves, Regardless of their skin, regardless of where they're from, doesn't matter. God, our job's to love. And God, we are going to be a church that looks and loves like you. If we do that, God, that's all we can do. So God, may we make a mark in this world. And may we help change the tide of where things are headed. And God, may the only color we see be the red blood that your son shed for each and every one of us. That we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And God, we stand in that assurance today. We thank you that you're a God who hears us. And you're a God who loves us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, today we begin this new series called The Way. So let me set up why we call it The Way. Well, back during this time, when someone would come to know Christ, they were not known as Christians. That's a term that came a little later. They were known as people of the way. That's what they were known as. In fact, back during this time, if you were to tell somebody in the book of Acts, they said, it's the person of the way. You can lose your life for claiming that Jesus is who he said he was because you're saying all other ways are the wrong way. He's the right way. And that phrase comes out of the book of John, John chapter 14. So here's, here's where we're at, all right? Over the past few months, we've been sort of, we'll journey a little through John, then we'll jump out of it for a little while, but we've been on this journey up till John 14. John 13, we found the disciples around the table, and the table uh, and the time they were eating was called the Last Supper, all right? He's telling his disciples, I'm not going to be here much longer. I've got to go, and i got to die for you. I'm going to break my body for you, and I'm going to shed my blood for you. He's telling them all this. Well, prior to the dinner, there was one of the disciples. He looked at the group before he did that, and he said, and one of you is going to betray me. And we knew in John 13, we didn't know who that was. The disciples didn't even know who it was. But we eventually knew who the guy, we know who the guy is now because we have a looking back. What was the name of the, the disciple that betrayed Jesus? Judas, you can all go home. Your answer's correct. You made 100 on your church quiz today, all right, on the pop quiz. You're all doing good. So Judas went away. Judas, we know that most, how many of y'all have a friend named Matthew? Raise your hand. Anybody know a guy named Mark? Have you ever heard the name Luke before? How about Judas? You got anybody's name Judas? No, it didn't work out real well. We got one named, do you really? Oh, dear Lord. All right. <laughs> if my parents would have named me Judas, that would have been really bad. If your name is Judas, Steve Roach told me to say all this. All right. And so, but anyways, so Judas, Judas was the guy that, that went away. So <clears throat> the reason I tell you all that, John 14 didn't make any sense without John 13. If we just read John 14, we'll go, why is he saying all that? He's saying it because you've given your life for three years to follow this 
Messiah, this one you put all your hope in, and he looked at you and took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is like my body. I'm gonna break it for you. This is, this wine is like my blood. I'm gonna shed it for you. But he was telling them, I'm gonna go die. And they knew the time was imminent. When we read John 14, remember when John is recording this chain of events inspired by God to write it down. He didn't write chapters and verses. He's just writing the story. So it's a continuation of the story. John 14, verse number one. If at any point I'm saying something, you're not reading, look up, because we're going to chat a little bit about it, because I want you to get it. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says this. Do not let your hearts be what? Literally, it was the picture of waters being stirred. If you've ever been around water when there's a storm coming and the waters are moving and the waters are crashing against the rocks, it's the picture that Jesus is painting of what was going on in their hearts. Don't let your hearts be like the waves in a storm. Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus could sense not only their hearts were troubled, but their hearts were potentially going to drift because of this craziness that was going on in the world. He could sense it. It's so interesting that on the way to the cross, he was more concerned about what the disciples were feeling than what he was about to go through. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes you wonder how God feels about you. Sometimes you wonder, how does God think about me? Here is God looking down, Jesus going, I'm on the way to the cross, but I'm worried about you guys. I'm worried that you're not going to be okay. Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me, because in my Father's house, there are many rooms. Time out. And you're going, man, that was a jump. So let's, let's talk about this real quick. So we're getting close to fall. September, October are great college football times, but they're also big wedding season, all right? How many of y'all have been to a wedding in the past three or four years? Raise your hand. If you've been to somebody's wedding, if you got married in the past three or four years and you didn't raise your hand, shame on you, all right? You've been to a wedding. But anyways, you've been to a wedding the past couple of years. Well, weddings nowadays are a big business, and when a wedding happens, it's never about the groom. It's always about who? The bride. Not so during this time. During this time, the whole picture of weddings were wrapped up around the bridegroom. In fact, what would happen is he would fall in love and he would want to go and woo the girl that lived in this home and he would go and, and shower her with blessings and love and all of those things and he would win her over and then he would pay the father of this future bride money so one day she could be his. Then he would say this, I am now going to go prepare a place for us to live. Many times back during this culture, what they would do, and I mentioned this the other week when we were in, in another passage in John, 
Many times in this culture, they would go back, this bridegroom, and he would add on to his father's house. He would build another room onto his father's house. So when he got married, they would have somewhere, he would have somewhere to bring her home to. Right? This is part of our culture. We pray never comes back. All right? And so they would bring her, dear Jesus. But anyways, so bring her back to the house. So they would add on to the house. So he would have somewhere for her to live. The picture that Jesus is painting here is one they all knew very well. He was the bridegroom and the church is the bride. What he's painting now is a picture of what one day will happen. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many rooms. I've already gone to get it ready. Look at what he says next. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Just like the bridegroom would tell the bride, I'm going to go now that I've bought you. I'm going to go get a home ready for you. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, guys, don't worry. I'm going to get it ready. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so you may also be where I am. When it came time for the bridegroom to get the bride, he would take all his groomsmen and they said they would go by torchlight and they would go to the bride's house and he would receive her and then he would begin the wedding festivities and he would bring her back to his house. You know the place where I'm going, and poor Thomas speaks up, and Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know, what's this phrase? Jesus, I don't want to get lost. We don't understand. Jesus, we're shocked. How can we know the way? Jesus looks and he says this famous phrase that has been an anchor for the church for 2,000 years. And he looks at Thomas and he says this, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And nobody gets to the Father except through me. There is no other way. And these disciples, after the resurrection, became the people of the way. How in the world did all this get started? Let's break it out. Ready? Pen, pencil, something to write with. It's a great day to take notes. We gave you all a few extra blanks so you feel smarter this morning, all right? So let's break this out a little bit. Number one, where are the followers of Jesus going? They are going to heaven. That's where the followers of Jesus are going. They are going to heaven. That was the picture Jesus was painting for his disciples. I'm going away from here to there to prepare a place for you, to prepare a room for you. All believers are going to go to heaven. That's where we're all going to go. What is heaven like? You know, you may have heard heaven and you, you've got this view of heaven or that view of heaven. Here's what scripture teaches us about heaven. Number one, it's a house with many rooms. 
because we're all children of the Father. Here's a house. It's a picture of a house with many rooms. In fact, they say, most scholars say, it's not a picture of large parcels that are separated. It truly is the picture that was painted by the bridegroom where he would go and he would add on to his father's house, which creates this. I want you to write this out beside this. It's just big. Intimacy. It's intimacy. I want you to be with me. That's what it says. It's, it's not like God goes, you know, I'm going to let you in, but I really don't like you. You've got to live out like at the back of the real estate. All right. And so it's not that way. It's the picture of the father's house. There are many rooms. Scripture teaches very clearly, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. The minute you accept Jesus Christ, your room is beginning to be prepped and ready for your arrival. You're not going to show up in heaven and it's like hotels where you show up and they're like, your room's not ready till three, all right? It's not going to happen. Your room will be prepped and ready for your arrival. In fact, 2,000 years ago, when he left that cross, he left to get it ready for you. Look at number, the second point. It's a country because of its great size. It's a country because of its great size. In the book of Revelation, the angel tells us this. It's 1,500 miles in length, width, and height. It's like going from the Appalachian Mountains to California, and from Canada to Mexico. It's that size, except it goes 1,500 miles high. And because of my math prowess, I was curious how many stories that would be. And because of the great math class, the one math class I took in college, I began to compute it. It would come up to 600,000 stories. Thank you, Google. All right, 600,000 stories is what that comes up to. Here's the picture. It's massive. It's a country. It's massive. And there was a room for you and a room for me. It's also called a city because of its large number of citizens. But you think back to those that even came from the Old Testament that believed in God before the time of Christ and then up until this day, and there's believers all over the world. Do you know the place of slowest church growth in the world? America, in England. Go to Africa, go to Haiti, go to India. People being saved by the thousands, by the thousands. And one day we're all going to reside in heaven together. It's a kingdom because God is its king. You'll see heaven referred to many times in scripture as a kingdom. They, remember the disciples wanted Jesus to set up his kingdom here. He's like, no, 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 here's temporal. I'll set my kingdom there and that kingdom will last forever. It's a paradise because of its indescribable beauty. It's a place of rest where we're freed from the challenges of living in a fallen world. Don't you look forward to the day there is no more sin, there is no more hatred, there is no more bigotry, there is no more violence, there is no more stuff going on. Don't y'all look forward to that day? I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. And that's the picture of heaven. That's the picture of what heaven is going to be like. What's our takeaway? Everybody look at me. 
He really wants you there. No bride would ever go, well, he really doesn't want me. No, 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 no. He bought you at a price back during this time. He paid to buy her from the the father. And then he would go and build something for just her. That's the picture he's painting. He did all this. Everybody look at me. Because he wants you. That's the picture. No matter how you feel about you, he wants you. That's why he went to this incredible effort to get heaven prepared and ready. But look at number two. What do all followers of Jesus have in common? Here's the word, faith. Every one of them. Faith. In fact, if you read back in the uh, book of Hebrews and it talks about the great ones of the Old Testament, it always talks about their faith. By faith, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, David, and it begins to tell their story. Well, you go in the New Testament, it talks about faith too. In fact, Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith, it is, help me out with that word. You know what I learned about that word impossible? You know what it means? Impossible, right? That's what it means. It is impossible to please God without faith. What does that mean? That if we never place our faith and trust in Jesus for the first step, our lives will never completely please God. No matter how good we do. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll never completely please the Lord. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. No amount of money buys your way in. No amount of stuff. It's faith. We all begin with faith. When we place our faith in something, I'm gonna tell you, I don't want anybody to look at me. I've never been to heaven. I have never seen Jesus physically in earthly form and touched him and hugged him. I never have. God has never audibly spoken to me. But I know it. How? Faith. It's faith. Well, my eyes just don't understand it. Well, I will say this. All right, I'm a simple guy. Y'all that don't know me, I'm an incredible simple guy. When I get on an airplane to fly somewhere, I have no idea how that thing works. You know what I'm talking about? But I'm placing my faith in it that it's going to get me from, des- from my, where I'm going to my destination. I'm, I'm trusting it. Every day I take out my phone and send a text. Any of y'all know how that sucker works? You don't know how that works. You just do it every day, right? You're putting faith. I never figured out the fax machine before that thing changed. And so this is a whole new deal. Faith is a big deal. I had a guy, I was probably three months ago, sitting in my office. I'd done his brother's funeral. And he sat in my office. Doesn't live in this community. He lives out of this community. And he said, Mike, I'm just going to be honest, man. I appreciated what all you said at my brother's funeral, but... I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, I just don't believe it. And I, man, I, I would rather somebody tell me that than tell me they do and not. He said, I, I don't buy it. He said, I just, the faith thing gets me. I was like, dude, I get it, man. And we gave him some resources. He asked me this question. I've read this question before. He asked me this question. He said, Mike, what if you get to the end of all this? You get to all of it. Through life, preaching it, teaching it, saying it, living it, and you find out it wasn't true. What are you going to do? 
And I said, to be honest with you, if that were true, there's nothing in my life I would have wanted to change. Why would I want to live any differently? I said, the question is, what if you get through it all and you find out it's not true? What you believe. It is true. And he sat there and I said, that's a question you got to answer. That's faith. I got faith. I'm placing my belief in something greater than me. It's the context we all begin the journey at. It is a journey of faith. And it takes the first step of going, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. And I take my heart and I put my heart in his hands and go, it's yours, not mine. That's, that's the place we all begin. That's why he said that you've got to trust in God and you've got to trust also in me. You've got to trust me that I'm going to get you there. And look at number three. Are there any other ways to the Father besides Jesus? And the answer to that's no. There are no other ways. He didn't leave any other options. Jesus made a very bold statement. This is a bold statement. He said, Thomas, I am the way. I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. Good good looks aren't going to get you there. Stuff ain't going to get you there. I am it, buddy. I am the way. I'm the guy. You got to put your faith in me, Thomas. And you remember back at the beginning when it said their spirits were troubled? He was beginning to sense their doubts in him. And he was going, guys, listen, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Because when you see me on that cross, you think you doubt now, you're going to doubt. You're going to hurt. You're going to grieve trust me. I got you. If you want to get to my Father in heaven, you got to come through me. There is no other way. Well, what are other ways people have tried? A couple thoughts. Ready? Good works. Ephesians tells us people try it by good works. I try to do good things to earn my way there. Here's the problem. We like the good works because they look good. Here's the problem with good works. If I can do enough good works to get into heaven, then I can do enough bad works to get out of heaven. All right? How many of you would say there is a point during the week that you have bad works, which we would call sin, which we would call you not doing right? How many of y'all at some point during a week's time get angry during traffic? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. How many of y'all get angry more than once a week during traffic? Oh, yeah. How many of y'all would get angry in the parking lot before you leave today? Oh, yeah. I hear about you. I've heard all about you. That's why I don't go out there. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So if good works get me in, bad works get me out. That's why it's not by good works. It doesn't have anything to do with good works. We said this last week. I'll say it again. This is baseline. God loves you as much today as he's ever going to love you. No more, no less. Your works have nothing to do with how much he loves you. All your works have to do with how much you love him. And the more I do, the more I serve, the more I give, the more I read, the more I fall in love with him when I understand how much he loves me in spite of me. 
I don't get there by my parents' faith. Man, I'm thankful I had a mom and a dad that left a legacy of faith. In fact, when we cleaned up my parents' house, down in my office at my house, I've got my mom's rocker that she always sat in. And I've got her Bible there. Let me tell you, that sucker is worn. That Bible's worn. On my shelves, I've got her and my dad's journals that they wrote in every day. They left a legacy of faith. Their parents both left them a legacy of faith. But one day when I get to heaven, I don't get in heaven because of my parents' faith. I'm thankful for what they left. But guess what? The question is, what did I do with Jesus? Not what they did with Jesus. The question is, what did I do with Jesus? I don't get in because of my parents' faith. I'm not, I may be born into a Christian family, but that does not make me a Christian. It doesn't. Man, that is a step of faith. I don't get in by my church activities. And we got plenty of them. We got all kinds of stuff going on. You could do something every day of the week at North Star. That makes absolutely no difference you getting into heaven. Zero. You could get baptized. You just got wet. If you didn't believe in Jesus, you're just wet. Your church activities don't have anything about it. It's an expression of your faith, but it's not, a, it's not a replacement. You don't get in by following another religious leader, whoever they may be. They're all dead. They didn't none of them make it. There's no other book coming. It is by faith that we make this step. And we all have to make that step. And I love this last point. Steve, I love how he crafted this. Jesus didn't just come to make a way home for us. He became the way home. He didn't come to make a way home. He became the way home. All right, everybody look at me and I'm done. When the Falcons start kicking off at one, I'll get you out earlier. But until then, all right, you gotta hang with me a couple minutes longer. I got plenty of time, nothing on Braves. They're struggling. All right, and so let's talk about this for a second. So a groom would pay the father of the bride for the hand of his daughter. The more he would pay, the more he wanted her. I'm all about that coming back, all right? So that'd be great for my daughter. But anyway, so he would pay for her. Jesus paid for you. What did he pay? He paid with his life, and it cost him his blood. I want everybody to look at me. Those days you get up and you look in the mirror and you go, do I matter to God? He left heaven to come buy you back. Romans would say he paid your ransom. That's what it says. That was on your life. The enemy says they haven't done enough good to deserve heaven. And Jesus says, I get that. I understand that. So here's what I'm going to do. I, as the sinless one, I'm going to go die on their behalf. So one day, not in spite of what they did, but because what I did, they one day can be with me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay their ransom with my life. 
That's how he feels about you. Why do we take this serious? Because it's life and death serious. None of us are guaranteed anything. And our mission and our job is to help people find their way home, whether they're a college student, high school students that are meeting in there, or somebody in their 70s. It doesn't matter. Our job is to help people find their way home. Here's my question for you this day, today. Have you found your way yet? Would you pray with me? Man, maybe you're in here today and, um, man, your heart got a little quicker today. And you felt that tap on the shoulder and that tug that said, man, that's you. You tried the good works. You tried your parents' faith. You tried being good. You tried church stuff. But you never knew me. I came for you. That's what he says. And I want to lead you in a prayer to meet him today. Today could be your step of faith day. That you step across that line. Say, God, I'm giving you me. I don't, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. But I get it that I need you. And I love to lead you in this prayer. And it goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. Would you pray that? I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. And this is, this is what it's all about, that step. Man, if you're in Compass or True North or out on the patio or even online today, if you said, I made, Mike, that step of faith today, and I ask Jesus in my heart, Man, we want to honor you. And I'm going to ask you right now, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? And we want to give you something. Just slip it up and keep it up for a second. And we've got a little gift we want to give you. Slip it up and keep it up for a second. It's the greatest step you'll ever make. If you're online, you could send a note to our online pastor and say, man, I made that step today. What do I do? If you're in our rooms, we got a little gift we want to give you. There's a card inside of that. If you'll take that card and fill it out, there's next boxes located on at every exit out that you can drop in there. You can hand it to somebody today. Father, the rest of our journey is a journey of faith. God, may I need to take that journey alone. If I know the way, God, I better have somebody on that way with me. Because if heaven's real, and heaven's all you said it was, God, why would I ever want to be there for by myself? God, I think about what that old pastor who had preached about heaven for so many years said on his deathbed when he got a glimpse of it. He said, as much as I preached about it, I never could do it justice. God, that's the way we live. Expectant to that day, we go to that place you have for us. God, thank you for our time.
And thank you for those that stepped across that line today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you all join me and let's congratulate all the people that made that step today.